you have good and you have, let's just say, not so good in terms of, you know, you have selfishness and you have, you know, harmony and peace, right? Same way with extraterrestrial biological entities. You ha- I mean, what's why are they different? You, there's good people, the beings that want to help humanity. And there are beings, maybe they're more self-serving in nature, just like humans. So it's the same. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. When it comes to biohacking my daily routine, one thing I always include is red light therapy from Juve. You know, I talk about them all the time because I use them every day. That's J-O-O-V-V. I'm really stoked right now because they just launched their next generation of devices and they've made some massive upgrades to what was already the best red light therapy system on the market, in my humble opinion. They've upgraded the setup for the new devices with quick, easy mounting options so the new Juve can fit just about anywhere. Some people like me like to use the Juve lights at night to wind down from the day, so that's why they included a new ambient mode for a calming, lower-intensity light at night. That's way healthier than all the blue light from all of our devices and screens, and it's more in alignment with your natural circadian rhythms. Additionally, Juve's new units are sleeker and up to 25% lighter with all the same power as before. And they've also intensified their coverage area so you can stand as much as three times further away from the device and still get the recommended dosage. Plus, the new devices include some really cool features like Recovery Plus Mode, which utilizes pulsing technology to give your cells an extra boost after a workout with the rejuvenating near-infrared light. If you're looking to get a new Juve device for your home, I've got some exciting news. Just go to juve.com Luke, then use the code Luke, and you'll get an exclusive discount on Juve's newest devices. Now, exclusions apply, limited time only, so hurry up and get over to juve.com Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V dot com slash Luke. And the code is Luke. Let's take a moment to celebrate the medicinal power of chaga and reishi mushrooms from our friends over at surthrival.com. Both of these mushrooms have an immense history of therapeutic use going back thousands of years. Surthrival uses a dual extraction formula. Hot water for beta-glucans and polysaccharides, those are the immune modulators, and then organic grain alcohol to extract the adaptogenic terpenes. These adaptogenic mushrooms help to deal with biological, physiological, and emotional stress. In fact, medicinal mushrooms help you adapt better in stressful scenarios as well as adapt more easily to environmental changes, which is obviously more important than ever during this time of radical upheaval. The surthrival chaga mushrooms are wild and sustainably harvested from New England. Both mushrooms are antiviral, antimicrobial, antineoplastic, and they both boost SOD or superoxide dismutase and glutathione, two extremely powerful antioxidants. Chaga and reishi mushrooms also repair cellular and genetic damage from oxidative stress. And what causes oxidative stress? Well, living as a human being on planet Earth, especially in a modern urban environment. 
So these medicinal mushrooms are not only extremely powerful when it comes to supporting your health, but they also taste delicious. So get over to surthrival.com. That's S-U-R-T-H-R-I-V-A-L, surthrival.com, like survive and thrive. Use the code STYLE10 and save yourself 10% off the chaga and reishi mushroom extracts. Lord almighty, am I excited to share episode 309 with you, man. This was a mind-blowing conversation, one of my favorites of all time. It's called The Rasha, Quantum Space Travel and the Key to Consciousness Expansion with Dr. Jerry Rivera Duhenio. And uh, this is uh, a mind-blowing episode. So get ready to go into the quantum on this one, folks. Since I recorded this episode with Jerry at Quixmala in Mexico in preparation for our upcoming January 2021 retreat, we've been hanging out a lot. And Jerry is just one of the coolest and smartest cats I know. And his technology, the Rasha, is truly otherworldly. And I've had the opportunity to journey on it many times now And it is very impressive, to say the least. Also, I'd like to invite you to meet me, Jerry, Dr. Rashid Buttar, and water expert and just overall genius, amazing dude, Robert Slovak, at Cuixmala in Jalisco, Mexico, January 30th through February 6th for the Healing Power of Energy Retreat. That's coming up this January. If you want to get tickets and join all of us there for this big healing party, Go to lukestory.com slash events. That's lukestory.com slash events for the Quick Smaller Retreat in January 2021. Here's a bit of information about our guest. Dr. Jerry Rivera Duhenio is an inventor and a quantum morphogenic physics expert with a PhD in natural medicine from the International Quantum University for Integrative Medicine in Honolulu, Hawaii. Jerry specializes in advanced scalar plasma energy technologies quantum morphogenic field physics, and the larger paradigm of science known as the 15-dimensional unified field physics. It's a mouthful, I know. It's, uh, where do you hear it? <laughs> this conversation, man, I, I, really, I really had to keep up. I mean, honestly, I think I did okay. You'll be the judge when you hear it, but man, this is some deep stuff. But don't be put off by the, the geeky science sound of it because this episode really is about consciousness, DNA, scalar energy, Jerry's near-death experience, how his formal education led him to suppressed and esoteric technologies like the Rasha, the Nikola Tesla work that impressed him the most and how he integrated that into his own inventions, why he built the Rasha. I'll give you a little spoiler alert here. It was to recreate for other people the transformative near-death experience he had. I mean, it's heavy stuff. How inert noble gases carry the energy, scalar energy, and why so many people don't understand it, the mystery of morphogenetic fields, the base 12 math model of perpetual life, and the 12-sphere perpetual life source fractal grid used in the Rasha. I told you, man, this is a really trippy episode. And as a listener of this show, you know how passionate I am about discovering new healing technologies. Well, I think I might have just found the coolest one in the world. The Rasha not only reprograms your DNA, allowing your body to heal itself, but more than anything, raises your consciousness, which is what true healing is all about. So give this one a listen, and may you be inspired to explore the next level where science meets spirituality. Make sure to share the show with a friend, and don't forget you can get all the links, show notes, and complete transcripts at lukestory.com newsletter. That's lukestory.com newsletter. 
All right, man, put on your seatbelt, strap in, and get ready to travel into the 15th dimension with Dr. Jerry Rivera Duhenio. Enjoy the show. Jerry, here we are, dude. How you doing, Luke? I'm doing great, man. I just did a Russia session, so like it doesn't get much better than that. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, I'm feeling amazing. My first session for those listening, for for you guys listening that don't know what the hell the Russia is, you're right. gonna find out. But uh, just personally, I'll let you know um, my experience. You know, yesterday, and we'll go into it more uh, further in the conversation. But it was absolutely profound. Beautiful, mm. amazing, set the tone for what was a completely magical night. I bet. Uh, and today, as a result of yesterday being so awesome, I was so smoked. I barely got any sleep. You know, really? I, yeah, I was, you know, eating food late and uh and then there was a storm and the, the you know, shutters were blowing on the on the bungalow. And so that was like woke me up. So I was like, how am I gonna do this interview? So luckily we had the Rasha here and right. I'm like just immediately mood elevation, mm. energy level, brain function, totally tapped in. It's amazing. Fantastic. That's incredible. And I'm so glad that, you know, prior to our interview, I got mm. to experience the technology. Well, I think it was important, right? Yeah. It's for you to experience it, you and, and Allison, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'm glad that you were able to experiencing, experience it prior to the festivities. Me too. Because it's like, if you know, every once in a while, I'll just find something interesting at a trade show or online and I'll track down the inventor or mm. representative and maybe worst case scenario, have to do a Zoom interview and kind of learn about it secondhand. But the experiential knowledge of something is so much more potent. Correct. You know, so um, that's, that's what this show is all about is like having experiences and sharing those experiences and <laughs> helping inspire people to go have them themselves. So I want to uh, start off just by asking you, what is the most exciting thing in your life right at this moment, personally, professionally, or anyway? Uh, just fulfilling really my core objective. Uh, I don't know if you knew 20 years ago, I had a massive heart attack, near death, if you want to call it experience. And since that day, it's just been, that was like 20 years ago. Um, yeah, almost 20 years ago, September 10th of 2000. It's been a journey of learning, um, just uh, experiencing new things for the first time, right? So uh, it's been it's been a journey of really learning and experiencing for the last twenty years. So yeah, that's the most important thing for yeah. me. Yeah. So it's a continuation of that awakening. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny you had the premonition because that was going to be my next uh, question was about that near death experience and um, listen. Having listened to a few of your interviews, we share a assorted checkered past in sure. the world of drugs and alcohol and all of that. And one of the things that I found most compelling about your story, and correct me if I got this wrong in any way, but you had the heart attack, had this near-death experience, and you were on tons of drugs at the time. And when they revived you and did your blood work, no drugs showed up in your system. Is that correct? Correct. Like, Twice. what? Yeah. Twice? Yeah. Because they, they, they thought there was an error. Oh. But the... That night, that 24-hour bender of heroin, cocaine, ecstasy, ketamine, barbiturates, and alcohol. Wow, nice mix. Kudos. I really didn't want to be here. <laughs> that actually originated, I think, in 1974 when I, at nine years old, I was sexually molested by, let's say, a male teacher at an all-boys private school 
in Plainfield, New Jersey. For the for most of that uh, year, several boys and I were sexually abused, and I didn't know how to deal with it, Luke, for my whole entire adult life. My relationships were shit. Couldn't trust anyone, right? I could not open my myself to anyone because last time I did that, someone in authority that I trusted violated me. Yeah. So for my, like, I'd say up to, it was 35 it was, I was an expert in every single addiction that you want to know about. Not only addiction, I was an, I was a, expert in possession because I was possessed completely run by another entity. So I know addictions. I know possessions very well, biological possessions. And on that day of September 10th, I decided, you know, well, 23 hours prior to that, I was like, I'm done. I'm finished. You know, my whole life up to that point was based on orgies, Gambling addictions, food addictions, drug addictions, every single addiction possibly that you can imagine, I engaged with. Until that one day, it was on the Upper East Side in New York City, on the rooftop of my friend's best friend at the time, his girlfriend. Uh, she had a brownstone and we were on the roof. Just I did my last line of cocaine like this. And I sat back like this on the chair, my head tilted back like this, and my consciousness popped out of, you can call it the crown chakra, I call it the fontanelle area, boop, 45 degrees, about three feet above my head. And that, when you, when you come out of the body, you, you're still conscious. And that, that was very freeing in, in itself. But the moment I internally asked that question, well, if I have 360 degree awareness and that's my body, that's literally starting to turn blue and purple because my face was like this and I saw the whole thing. The moment I asked, who am I? I literally was uploaded, if you will, to, the, to what I call the unified field. You can call it God. You can call it all that is, whatever your label is. There was no, I did see my images of my lifetime flash like this, but in like slow motion, like this. But then once I asked that question, who am I? I was uploaded to what I call the, the unified field of God or source. And in that, I didn't want to come back. It was the most amazing, what I call love frequency or resonant harmonic frequency. Love is a, a co-resonancy of frequency. And I felt that immensely. Didn't want to come back. I felt I was freed. But in that, let's just say, unification of, of non-space, you know everything. Because consciousness or energy is information, as you, I'm sure, well aware of. I came back. I wouldn't say kicking and screaming, but I was reminded of what my contract was and I came back with a zip file of information. A massive, let's say, um, what's that cloud thing that we, we Dropbox. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it was a massive Dropbox that literally took, I would say, 12 years to not just download, but to make sense of all of this information and an example or a technology that 
was birthed out of that information was the Russia technology. Wow. Yeah. One thing I've always wondered about out-of-body or near-death experience is, is, is there languaging? Like, are you... Th- are you having realizations in English still? Mm. You know what I mean? Because you're a no. multidimensional being, so language yep. is irrelevant, right? So is it, it just a felt sense of knowing without the bingo, the construct of linguistic? Correct. It's, it's what I call direct cognition or direct experiencing, experiential knowing. So it, there's no language. There's no, I didn't hear any audible. It was that experiential knowing. And that's what it was. That's the, the language, really. When you, when your individuated consciousness that is you, let's say uploads back to you at those higher levels, it is all experiential knowledge or direct cognition. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think I've probably only had that type of experience in a suspended animation way which you know i mean of course in that space time doesn't exist because mm-hmm. it's a non-linear Correct. locale but the first two times i took ayahuasca i did my best to uh, to dismiss any kind of expectations about what it was going to be like and i really just i think if i did anything my intention was just to surrender and trust the process because i'd been sober i was i mean we have so much in common it's crazy we'll go into it but i've been sober at that point for 22 years i mean like you know mm-hmm. like 12-step programs, rehab, like sober, sober, textbook sober. And I go take that ayahuasca and it was so interesting because I think I knew myself and could trust myself enough at that point to know that this wasn't just some escapism or was going to lead me back into the life that you just described of hell, you know, Mm -hmm. living hell. Anyone that's lived through that kind of addictive pattern knows that it's only a party for a short period of time. Um, and I knew that that wasn't going to be the case, but I had no idea what I was to expect because my prior experience with psychedelics had not been done consciously. You know, it was just, they, I was just trying to escape and numb myself. Right. Get it. But I remember when that, that medicine hit and it was like thought, cognition, language, all of that was suspended. Mm. And there was just this stillness and this connectivity and receptivity to source. and the witness that was witnessing that phenomenon Mm -hmm. didn't even have language. You know what I mean? And every once in a while, my personality would peek in and go like, this is weird. We're not thinking, you know, (laughs) it's like, I was expecting maybe to kind of get down like Luke, here's what you need to do with your life, you know, which came later, which Mm -hmm. came later there, you know, the following nights of that particular trip, uh, there was a lot of very direct, you know, regressions into experiences in life and, healing of trauma Mm -hmm. that I was able to perceive and somewhat direct, right? But those first two nights, it was so interesting because what you described is, I defined it as the ultimate sobriety. Mm. I had this recognition that in that moment, it was the most sober moment I'd ever had in this lifetime. Right. Because of the brief suspension of the personality self, the ego, the intellect, yes. the emotions, all of that was just like mm. swept away into just conscious awareness, right. which is as sober as you can get. Cause you know, you could be sober as a judge and you're mm. waking beta state out doing this personality thing in the world, having mm. an identity as male, female, whatever race, blah, blah, blah. Right. But you're still kind of under the spell and the hypnosis of the earth plane, mm. the material plane. So in a sense, not truly sober because you're still under the, 
you know, the hypnosis of being alive in a body. Yep. So um, just incredible experience. And it, it reminds me of that. I mean, I don't think it was as, why well, don't you can't really compare, but it's right. the closest thing I can get. But I want to go back to another thing that you mentioned. And that was, and thank you for your vulnerability and authenticity about the abuse that you experienced. And over the years of being saved from that life of addiction, mm. for which I'm just every moment so grateful for, I've worked with so many recovering alcoholics and addicts and stuff. And it's, I won't say that it's universal, but it's exceedingly common that they've suffered sexual abuse, emotional mm. trauma, physical trauma, et cetera. I mean, almost everyone sure. has experienced that to you know, various degrees. And um, the way that you explained of having no way to hold that experience and process it and know what to do with it, yeah. except just to kind of, I was, I wanted to get the hell out. Right. I, I, did, yeah. I didn't feel comfortable in body. It was always yeah. an escapism, right? Yeah. So yeah, that was my way of uh, dealing with it for a major chunk of my adult life. Yeah. Um, when, when you had the heart attack and you're taken to the ER and you, you, uh, you know, come back, mm. uh, did you have to work on the addiction issues after that? Did they resurface and did you go back and dabble? And then Great kind question. Of- so the consciousness that's speaking to you here today is not the consciousness that was running the show prior to September 10th of 2000. It is an aspect, this talking to you is an aspect of that consciousness. So it was like a walk-in, walk-out same consciousness, family, not another being that came in. However, my son at the time was five. He said, you're not my dad. He knew immediately that I wasn't the same consciousness that experienced that sexual trauma at nine. However, that sexual trauma still is in the cell, in the memory of the cell. So I, I, you know, I, I feel it. You know, I felt it. And when it came to the ER and no toxins, no drug toxins in my blood or urine, what happened was higher oscillating energy, if you call it, will always transmute denser, let's say, consciousness or denser frequency. It's just the law of quantum physics. Higher oscillating energy expansion will always transmute denser, um, higher energy holding frequency. So my postulation and theory is that that is what happened to the toxins. Now, what was I doing? How was I uh, acting? I was looking at everything for the first time because it happened in New York City. So I'm looking, as I left the, the ER, I'm looking at the tall buildings as if I landed for the first time. So to get back to whether I had to go through any type of, was there aggression with drugs? Absolutely not because the consciousness that that is speaking to you did not actually directly experience that, those addictions, that sexual trauma. So it took a really huge shock in, in, in one's life for that to happen, for me to not even go back to drugs. But no, I haven't. Wow. And did you um, follow up with any 
therapy or any kind of, you know, mental health treatments no. or 12-step programs or any of that stuff. What I did was I delved into searching and researching pretty much a lot of the esoteric traditions, knowledge, religions, um, for example, esoteric Gnosticism, esoteric Kabbalah. I, I went, delved into shamanism with the Four Winds Society, things like that. I delved into medical Qigong for cancer, traditional Chinese medicine, uh, you know, anything that had to do with healing the body or b- bodies of knowledge that taught that, I delved into. Got it. And when did you do your study and your PhD? Did, was that prior to that experience? Or no, after? that was after. So from 2000... I guess it might be hard to get a PhD if you're smoking crack. And doing yeah, yeah. No, you're like... <laughs> I couldn't even finish high school. <laughs> right, right. When, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when your whole modus operandi is, you know, drugs, sex, alcohol, you're yeah. not going to get much work done. Right. Yeah. So from... Unless th- you isolate it to crystal meth. Maybe. But you could end up taking a lot of radios apart and not putting them back together. And clean and having a yeah. hell of a clean yeah, yeah. house. <laughs> a sterile toilet, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from 2000 to, say, 20, 2006, I was studying esoteric knowledge and et cetera, et cetera. From 2006 to 2012 or 2011, I actually became part of, a, let's say, a private quantum morphogenetic physics group Similar to, but more advanced than the California Physics Group. Have you heard, have you heard of no, them? No, I'm not, I'm not familiar. Ca- the California Physics Group was a group that was led by A.R. Borden, I believe, or H.R. Borden, who's no longer, he transitioned. But uh, it was a, that was a group that delved with um, uh, multidimensional physics, uh, using techniques to consciously leave your body, like the SRI program that the... Uh, Stanford University and the CIA had in the 60s for remote viewing. So this group from 2006 to 2012, let's just say, it was like a group of 200 people that literally uh, did debriefings on quantum physics, spirituality, DNA template activations, proper perpetual life Merkaba uh, techniques, Things of that nature. And that's what I delved in. After I left there, the group was taken down, meaning literally disbanded. I mean, people were taken out. The group no longer exists, just like the California physics group does not longer exist because of the sensitive nature of the intel they were sharing with with people. From 2012 to, I'd say, 2012 to 2014, I went and got my PH, master's and PhD at Quantum University in Honolulu, Hawaii. Ah, interesting. Yeah. And are you still studying? I thought I said I am. You are? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a nerd. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a perpetual learner. Yeah, because when someone says they know everything, Luke, as you know, I mean, someone that pretends or says, oh, I know everything or, oh, you know. Yeah. They really don't. They're just parrots. Just parroting information they were taught. So... I wanted to get into genetics and genomics because I, I, I know from my experience in, the, in your death, there was something that was held in the, what the scientists erroneously call junk DNA. I la- relabeled it as potential DNA or the introns in science. So I just started to, I just said, well, you know what? Let me see if I can get into Stanford. <laughs> Stanford. 
Stanford's online program. And I wrote an essay. You know, I had to say why I felt like I should be in the program, the genetics and genomics program. And so my essay delved with um, ET and human hybridization and is this possible? And what are your thoughts on this? And they accepted it? Yeah, they accepted wow. it. Wow. So I'm currently in their online program. That's wild. That's quite progressive. I would, I would think they'd be like, oh, too weird. No. That's, that's cool. No, but they're even saying, Stanford's even saying something happened 200,000 years ago to the mitochondrial DNA that mysteriously switched on the DNA. They even said that. So, Oh, interesting. So it's interesting how Stanford, a higher educational university, is literally confirming what people like Zacharias Sitchin has been what was talking oh, I about. I forgot about him, dude. I used 19, to read his stuff. 19, yeah, since yeah, 1976, yeah. about something happened to the DNA, the human DNA. Right. You know, right. Uh, Dr. Lana, Lana Contrell talked about that in her book. Uh, uh, you know, uh, something happened to the human. This is not the name of the book, so, but it yeah. had to do with her eight year research on human civilization and how they fell from a higher civilization in terms of consciousness, technology, civilization. Crazy. Wow. So Stanford, you are teaching this because I know, <laughs> uh, is actually sharing some of this information. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That's a good sign. Yeah. There's so much uh, disclosure type activity percolating now, or perhaps it always has, and I'm just becoming aware of it, but really, really interesting. I watched... Uh, a documentary, I believe it's it's Stephen Greer. I think it's called uh, sure. "Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind." Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and I've I've never been someone who's super into ET phenomenon and stuff. Just kind of on the periphery, like cool. If I come across something I find compelling, but it, I've never felt like it's going to have really any impact on my life unless I'm visited by one and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> sure, <laughs> let's chat." Right. Uh, but that was a really interesting because the way he framed it was. And the, the, the fifth type of encounter was that, and he goes through, you know, obviously first through fifth in his framework is the fifth is that we've been misled to think of other forms of intelligence interdimensionally or from other locales mm-hmm. uh, that they are the enemy. And uh, just like we've been, you know, you know, you live in this country or that country, and then the other country is the enemy, that kind of paradigm, yep. right? The military industrial complex position of hoarding resources Mm -hmm. and enslaving humanoids. And so his theory is that the vast majority of those entities or other life forms that we would call ETs or aliens Mm -hmm. are benevolent. Mm -hmm. And his hypothesis to prove that is that due to the advanced nature of their technology Mm -hmm. and the fact that they can shapeshift, time warp, pop in and out, they're in a completely different realm of energetics and Mm -hmm you know, hundreds of thousands of years more advanced technologically that if they were not uh, benevolent, that they could just go, humans gone in like a second. You know what I mean? So the fact that they've, you know, kind of hovered around uh, military installments and things like that. And, you know, there's been some interaction, but that our government or governments of the world have framed them as a, a an outer threat, you mm-hmm. know? And so his his whole thing is that they're, universally speaking, um, that there are no aliens, right? There's just life in existence. Sure. Consciousness manifests in mm-hmm. whatever form or dimension it happens to manifest in. And it was really interesting because I, I realized in that moment that 
through Hollywood and comic books and, you know, everything. I thought, wow, there's all this predictive programming about the alien invasion and that they're, Mm -hmm. it's automatically assumed that they're here to harm us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think for that reason, people give less credence to that realm because it's scary to even think about, like, you don't want to see a UFO. You don't want to be abducted. You know, all of our accounts in the media have been framed as something potentially dangerous or even deadly. Right. Mm. Um, So it's since seeing that film, it's kind of opened me up a bit to that. Like, Oh, this is really, really interesting. And of course, you know, the video footage is extremely compelling and sure. I mean, just, you can't refute it. It's not CGI and it's just, you know, he and his groups of trainees are going out into the desert in New Mexico and summoning visitations and they show up and, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's getting really cool right now because I think it's not just really fringe kooky people, sure. you know, from Taos or Sedona that are seeing aliens. It's like regular people are like, Hey, maybe they're friendly and they can actually help us yeah. to evolve. So I, mean, I don't know. That's not a question. It's just a statement or a revelation uh, no, that I've experienced. I, I completely resonate with that. And just like, you know, the human race, you have some people that want to serve humanity and there are people that have service to self. And just like in all races or in all nationalities, you have good and you have, let's just say, not so good in terms of, you know, you have selfishness and you have, you know, harmony and, uh, you know, uh, peace, right? Same way with extraterrestrial biological entities you ha- i mean what's why are they different you there, there's good people the beings that want to help humanity and there are beings maybe they're more self-serving in nature just like humans so it's the same yeah when you had the experience that you had this awakening and then were you know freed from those former addictions and things like that mm-hmm. In your exploration of consciousness and research, when you got into the shamanic path or anywhere else uh, on that road, did you delve into uh, you know the conscious use of plant medicine ceremonially or of course. clinical psychedelics, like Absolutely. any of that world? Absolutely. What have been some of the key takeaways from that exploration? So I didn't actually physically experience those plant journeys and medicines or let's say DMT. I didn't do that because... Everything pales in comparison when, when you really are right. on the doorstep of, of, I call it, the transfer of consciousness experience. I, I don't like using near death anymore because that has a negative connotation. But, right, and on a, on a more macro level, there is no death. I noticed you said that correct. person transition. I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool because the, you, you can't kill energy. Correct. Energy is not alive in that sense that it has a beginning and an end. Right, right. It's, it's, just, it's just all there is, right? So. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, all I know is this, all of those forms of journeys, plant medicine experiences all have their purpose. Just make sure that you protect your fields when you go on any type of journey, whether it's synthetic, uh, plant-based, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just protect your, your body and your energy fields so that let's say other entities can come in and we call it um, timeshares or hijacking. <laughs> That's funny. You know? Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. 
When I started this podcast in 2016, I quickly realized that without sponsors, it was going to be very difficult to keep up with the show. However, when I realized that, I made a promise to myself and to the audience that I would always maintain integrity and never promote any products that I didn't personally use or truly believe in. And I'm super stoked to announce an amazing new product today called Magnesium Breakthrough which you can find at magnesiumbreakthrough.com. Magnesium is the body's master mineral. It's so powerful. It's responsible for over 300 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, and even digestion is influenced by the presence of magnesium. But there's two big problems here. Magnesium has been largely missing from the U.S. soil since the 1950s, which explains why it's estimated that up to 80% of the population may be deficient. And most supplements contain only one or two forms of magnesium, when in reality there are at least seven that your body needs and benefits from. Now, if you take this latter fact into consideration, it's just not logical to conclude that 99% of the population is likely deficient in two or more essential forms of magnesium. It just doesn't make sense. The good news is, is that when you do get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep, pain and inflammation, it all improves and fast. That's why I'm so pumped that my buddies over at Bioptimizers, makers of the industry-leading digestive supplements, have just created Magnesium Breakthrough. Their research team recently formulated what I believe is the ultimate magnesium supplement and easily the best one I've ever seen or experienced with all seven forms of this mineral. And I've taken every magnesium on the market that I've ever heard of, straight up. I mean, I'm obsessed with magnesium, especially due to EMF, which is an entirely different conversation. Now, these guys even include trace elements of something called monoatomic magnesium, which helps make all of the other forms more bioavailable. So this is by far the most complete magnesium product ever created. And until or unless someone comes out with a better one, I highly recommend that you give this one a try. Bioptimizers calls this product Magnesium Breakthrough, and they're running a special promotion for you, the listener, right now at magbreakthrough.com slash Luke. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash L-U-K-E, magnesiumbreakthrough.com slash Luke. You can get an additional 10% off the normal package price with the coupon code Luke10. And here's what's up. The guys that make this product are so brazenly confident that you're going to like it that they will give all your money back if you don't. So with this one simple action, you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all its forms and upgrade the performance of your entire body, including how you look and feel in every possible way. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash Luke, enter the code Luke10 to save 10% off. And now back to the interview. Yeah, I remember uh, yesterday when I was about to take my maiden voyage on the Rasha, you invited Allison and I. So you guys don't have to do it, but I would invite you just, if you feel called to, um, you know, uh, I forget the word, but to me, it's like, I call it kind of putting up my force field. Yeah. You know, it's that, yeah. It's just inviting God and, and wholeness and oneness and love into whatever experience I'm going into. Um, not out of a place of fear or concern, but just solidifying my intention and that I'm aligned for the highest good for right. all universally. And so anything that's not with that, let's just keep it out and allow go. it to do its thing in the periphery away from my 
perfect intention. Yeah. I told Allison and you, yeah, uh, protection and experience. That's right. It. So right. Um, yeah. I, oh, there's so many different directions I want to go. <laughs> so <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I always feel like with with a conversation with someone like you, where there's a lot of alignment, it's just like, I go, how am I going to not make this five hours? Okay. Yeah. Um. God, I'm like stumped. It's hilarious. So. Where do I want to go with this? I want to get into the Rasha sure. technology. And I guess I, a good way to uh, get into that might just be expressing my limited but profound experience so far. Sure. So uh, having been someone who's meditated for a long, long time, uh, practiced Kundalini yoga on a daily basis for years, mm-hmm. uh, done a lot of breath work sound healings. I mean, I've definitely had some pretty profound spiritual experiences and awakenings just on the natch without any plant medicines or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then in the past almost two years, I've had quite a few life-changing experiences where when they were over, my life was not the same. Mm -hmm. And there's so many examples of that. uh, One of which being my lovely Allison, the way that we came together was um, partly facilitated through peyote ceremony. Mm -hmm. Which sounds so crazy to say that for someone who hasn't had the experience, like, oh, okay, you guys are going to break up in a week. But it just was, you know, it's just, I don't know, you get in the quantum field and like, like, you know, and have stated, there's multiple ways to get into the quantum Mm -hmm. and, and work on things in there. And so I think I've explored every known way of doing that. And I would say the most profound experiences I've had have definitely been with assistance from some kind of plant medicine. Sure. Or just the energetics of the shaman or the, the healers present. Um, but in my experience with the Rasha yesterday, I go into any experience like this, very open-minded and open-hearted. If I trust the energetics of the inventor, of the representative, sure. of the guide, you know, it's like, if that feels right, and I'm pretty good about tuning into that, mm. then I just completely surrender. And I don't, it, it, I don't insert my will into mm. the experience. It's just like, okay, let's go. Take me where you want to take me. And I find I get the best results with that. So yesterday, when I laid down on the you know, the, the sound table that you've got, which you can explain in a moment. Um, I did that. I just went, okay, here we go. You know, have your way with me. I trust, I trust, I trust, I trust. And it was so trippy because within a couple minutes, I was taken to this town called Sebastopol, California. It's in mm-hmm. Sonoma County. And that's where I lived from probably seven to 12. And there were some really beautiful times there and there were some very challenging times as a kid. You know, that was, I experienced abuse while living in that town Mm -hmm. uh, of the nature that you described as well as other times. Mm -hmm. Um, But I say if like I had a childhood, that's probably the place where I had it because there were like riding my BMX bikes and catching snakes and running around the apple orchards and eating apples and playing in the creeks. And, you know, I was just like a country ass kid, you know, so there was a lot of, a lot of amazing times there. But what happened was for quite a while, I guess in non-time space, uh, I was just transported to all of these different memories and specifically locations. So it's like I was traveling like up this dirt road where I used to ride my bike and then I would turn left and go into this house and that's the first time I ever saw Atari. And then like, you know, and then it was over here and right. stealing Playboys from my friend's dad's little trailer in the backyard. <laughs> and then it was like smoky weed for the first time, yeah. listening to Dark Side of the Moon and just, it just kept going. And I was cognizant of the experience to the point where I thought, this is really interesting. Why are we staying in this town? Mm. Like I've had 49 years of life. That was just a snippet of the life. But 
whatever was guiding me, uh, wanted me to really explore and kind of clear that whole town. And it just went on and on in that little town, the place where I used to buy my candy bars at the grocery store. And just when I got my bike stolen in front of Safeway and Mm -hmm. just all these random memories. And, uh, and there was really no point to it that I was aware of. I'm still not aware of the point, much like many plant medicine ceremonies where you're just taken on some journey. Like, what the hell was that? Okay, yeah, I'll have it. Uh, and so that was, that was very interesting and very much akin to the depth of a plant medicine ceremony where you're just like taken in this time travel kind of uh, capacity. And then after that, it just went complete void. Mm. Just no awareness of anything. I'm just gone. Almost like a 5-MAO thing, but just less visuals and bells and whistles, not like that much of a smack to the head, right, you know? Right. Um, but in in the sense of that just oblivion and just nothingness, which is the my really my favorite place to be, honestly. Right. <laughs> There's just nothing. Just chilling. Uh, yeah, is, is the best kind of chill that you yeah. can get. And then, uh, you know, and then went through some, some other things with the body. There were some activations of the chakras that mm-hmm. I was very aware of. It was interesting because I don't know how many transducers or is there one transducer in your bed? This Several. one here? There's what? I think there's several. Oh, there's several. Yeah. Okay. So the the bed that I'm speaking of, Jerry can describe in a moment, guys. But you know, you're laying on this bed. It kind of looks like a massage table-ish. Um, those of you who are watching this video, you will have seen the intro where we do a demo of it. So I encourage you guys to watch the video. But uh, as I put my attention, you know, the whole bed is kind of vibrating like a subwoofer, basically. And you're hearing these tones. <laughs> just to give the experience <laughs> to the listener. And um, so I started just kind of then I was using my, my will a little bit and like, huh. So I'm feeling this universally throughout my whole body, head to toe. I wonder what would happen if I just, in a light way, uh, not forceful way, just put my energy in my different chakras. And then when I did that, then all the energy in the rest of the bed essentially disappeared. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and there was this kind of like vacuum motion. It was like, mm-hmm. like vacuuming out in a pulsed rhythm of each chakra. And then at will, I could just go, hmm, let me try the throat. And then I just move my awareness, not even any kind of exertion, but just move my awareness to the throat. And it would just be all the energy focusing on that one. I thought this is so bizarre (laughs) because it really seems subjectively like the sound waves in the bed were moving Mm. according to my mind's direction. Correct. You know? So, um, yeah, it was just a really incredible experience. And, uh, and then, you know, my girlfriend, Allison, I'll have her share her experience sometime, but, um, she, you know, she was totally tripping. I mean, she's a shaman. She's much more sensitive to the subtle energetics than I am. And, you know, has clairvoyance and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and she was over there just laughing and just tripping out when she was on the bed, man. And then her experience was really wild. She had all kinds of visitations sure. and was just traversing the universe and, you know, riding on comets and shit. Right. So it's just, <laughs> uh, to say the least, I said all that to say that I'm thoroughly impressed with what you've done here. And um, I want to know more about it. So I guess we could start with the influences like Nikola Tesla. Um, you know, Robert Becker, any, any ones that I'm even unaware of, Rife, Royal Rife, uh, people that have been involved in, in energetic medicine, devices, mm-hmm. inventions. Uh, how did their various teachings kind of lead you to create this, what seems to be an amalgam of a lot of different philosophies and technologies? Correct. So 
all the information I was, let's say, extrapolating in the dream state, in the, in the sleep state. So that's where everything was put together, so to speak. So when I wake up, I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, I would get uh, configurations. I would get certain mathematics, which we're not privy to on this planet. So I just started putting everything together. But during the process of actually the whole blueprint blueprinting process, I actually went to uh, a dear friend of mine who's no longer with us, who was the late brother uh, of Robert Slovak, Jack Slovak. Jack uh, was a physicist. He was top secret defense contractor for NSA, CIA, NASA, you know, all of those intelligence agencies. So I went to him and Jack put it this way, would he would advise uh, one of the world's leading experts on scalar energy, Colonel Tom Bearden. If, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him. No, I've not. Colonel Tom Bearden is known as the scalar energy expert because he, he delved with the military aspects and applications of scalar weaponry or scalar energy, right? So Jack would actually um, advise him. So I came to Jack one day and said, hey, Jack, you know, do you think this would work? Do you really think the intention was, could I replicate my transfer of consciousness experience with the transmutation of the toxins? Could I do that with the information that I came back with? So I said, hey, Jack, do you think if I applied scalar energy, which he knew was used for mind control, weather manipulation, etc., earthquakes, you know, tectonic changes... Can I interject just one quick question sure. before I forget? Sure. Does the HARP system use scalar? I'm speaking of this crazy ass government installation 1, in Alaska. Oh, okay. okay 1,000%. Cool. Yeah. You guys watch, uh, there's a documentary and a book called Angels Don't Play That Harp, H-A-A-R-P. I'm sure yeah. there's other reports on it, but it was kind of a, a yeah. thing in these circles for a while. People were really into that, it. Isn't that Nick Bagich? Uh, yeah. That's his book, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm... Yeah. I'm just curious. Okay, carry yeah, on. Completely harp is scalar energy. Which can weaponized. create, as you said, make earthquakes and manipulate the weather. the weather. Yeah. So I said, hey, Jack, I feel that we can take scalar energy or technology and use it for benefiting humans. And in 2001, I mean, you know, you know, 2001, Colonel Tom Bearden actually said that. He said the only way humanity is ever going to uh avoid self-destructing itself is if humanity utilizes the technology that's being used to actually control them for healing. And I'll send you the quote. I don't, it's not, that's not verbatim, but in a synopsis, that was his, his quote. So Jack ran the numbers and he, he, he said, yeah, it's going to work. So he was the initial go ahead green light for me. So then when I, we started putting everything together, so I have, my, I have specific engineers do specific compartmentalized tasks. So I had my uh, coil engineer that uh, hand wound the coils to specific eternal life mathematics and ratios. I had my plasma, uh, my gas plasma tube guy create the tube. Then I had um, my other engineer, who's ex-NASA, actually put it together and hand make it. So after it's all together, Luke, 
that's when I, I wasn't sure if it was going to work, man. It was like, you know, okay, I got this information. I put this technology together. I had no idea it was going to work. So then I had to, what I did was I had to reverse engineer the research. I had to say, okay, who in history was suppressed? Whose technology was kept down and hidden from the public that actually helped the human physiology? Number one, Nikola Tesla, okay? And his work with scalar energy. Two was actually Antoine Priori, who was an electrical engineer living uh, in France that actually created the Antoine Priori anti-cancer machine using plasma gases and high magnetism to reverse nearly 100% leukemia and end-stage cancer and leukemia in animals. When he went to human trials, the French medical government shut him down. Next was Dr. Royal Reif. His work was suppressed with resonant frequency, the killer of the C word. We won't go into that. <laughs> the <laughs> forbidden, the the forbidden, forbidden word. Yeah. And uh, the late Dr. Bob Bearden with uh, electromedicine. Oh, oh, I can't forget uh, Professor Dr. Constantine Mile, who's a German physicist that literally proved through multiple published research experiments and papers that the introns or the potential DNA literally communicates via the magnetic vector of a scalar field. Wow. So did, did the work of Robert O. Becker come into your awareness at all in this process? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And his, his work um, specifically with, uh, it's not the immune system that heals the body uh, as per uh, the late Dr. Rob Becker said. The immune system goes after the pathogens. It kills all of the fungi, all of the, you know, the harmful invaders, if you will. But the immune system doesn't heal a damn thing. What heals the body is what Bob Becker said, the cellular regenerative system, which was a scalar or a longitudinal electromagnetic system in the body. That is what heals the cells, an energy field, if you will, or a system. So the guy was nominated for two Nobel Prizes and never won. So something, he was doing something right. So yeah, his work was, was, his work in reverse engineering or proving that the Russia could be viable was vital. Right. Yeah. So I guess going piece by piece, the the um, magnetic field with the Tesla coil is that you said you use a different mathematic okay. formula. So imagine if Nikola Tesla was alive today, he would have created our coil. So if your viewers or your listeners aren't privy to te- the Tesla's coil, it was a flat, you know, coil, flat, you know, mm-hmm. and it was in 1898, I believe, a patent he he. he he had on it and it produced, you know, a scalar, it accessed the scalar field, but he accessed the electrical side of it. That's why Tesla was able to create wireless energy, free energy, utilizing the electrical portion of the scalar field and the earth's natural uh, energies. Okay. Now, if you want to communicate with the DNA, you need to veer towards or propagate towards the magnetic side of the electric of the scalar field does that make sense mm-hmm. so let's define scalar energy so there's an electric uh 
polarity and a magnetic polarity where the scalar waves are able to oscillate between? There's the potential for both. Oh, okay. So pure scalar energy is actually omnipolar. It's a spherical standing particle that has the potential for electric or magnetic or light and sound. So that's where all the physicists and mathematicians get wrong because they're really just trying to explain scalar with equations, with mathematical formulas, but they haven't experienced a goddamn thing. They haven't experienced what truly is our true nature. And our true nature, we are not physical beings or uh, let's just say energy beings having a physical experience. We are consciousness having a biochemical experience, okay? And consciousness, if you will, which really no one defines, well, let's define consciousness here on your show as pre-substance ether, which Tesla talked about, a lot of geniuses in the past past talked about the ether, but they couldn't really define it. So, um, yeah, I just went off on a way tangent there. No, it's good. It's going to keep going. I'm right there with you. I'm sure there's a few others as well. Yeah. So, um, where were we? Uh, So, with uh, so the different the different the magnetic elements, field right. right we're talking that's what yeah. you said so because the way the way that I'm interpreting at least a part of this uh, technology is that there are various frequencies within the software that are proprietary yes they're being amplified through the magnetic field created by the coil okay is that so so far close so it is not a Tesla coil that we have used. It's, oh, okay. It is a, an advancement of the Tesla coil. So an advancement, I mean, we are not using the phi ratio, the 1.618 ratio to determine the, the coiling and the angles. We're actually using an eternal life ratio, which is 1.414 or the square root of two, which is a base 12 mathematics in the coil itself. So the, right, because you can see the coil in the in the glass tube, right? It's the the part on both ends. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so, it looks nothing like a like a spiral type. Well, and it looks nothing like a Rodin coil either, because Marco right. Rodin uses, unfortunately, three six nine vortex based mathematics, which is a finite life. Because what the hell happened to the twelve, Luke? Tesla didn't say the key to the universe is three six nine. Tesla originally said the key to the universe is three six nine twelve. That is the mathematical pattern. It's the 12 that everyone, we weren't taught in high school or or college, we were kept from because that 12 holds a very significant importance as the eternal life fractal code that actually emanated from first creation point. It it was never meant to be base nine or base eight or base 10 rather because we were taught Base 10 mathematics in school. We have five digits here, five digits here, equaling 10. But why are there 12 months in a year? The ancient cultures knew about base 12 mathematics, the Sumerians, Mayans, Egyptians. So for those that don't know what this base 12 thing is, especially me, uh, that's just a different model of mathematics. Yes. It's not based on one through 10 and then 100 and 1,000 and 10,000, 100,000, on and on. It is based on a numerical expansion. Okay, so let's just take the Fibonacci spiral sequence, which is a legitimate sound spiral numerical expansion that works in this earth and this galaxy. But this, everything in this galaxy dies. Why? Because we're all finite life 
at the end, at the center of the Milky Way, there's a black hole. And as per quantum physics and just regular physics, everything eventually is going down that black hole, Luke, but no one wants to talk about that. So does the Fibonacci spiral sequence and the fire ratio, do they all work golden mean? Absolutely. But we're in a finite life matrix. Everything dies eventually. So what if we had a numerical expansion, not based on addition, which the Fibonacci is, it's based on addition. So if you took one plus one equals two, right? That is the Fibonacci sequence. But let's replace those numbers with, say, quanta of energy. What's really happening? This quanta of energy has to devour this one in order to birth this one. So it is a devouring expansion sequence. It, it, in order for, for it to birth other quanta of energy or numbers, it must devour the quanta of energy. Base 12 is based on times two or multiplication, exponentiation of energy. It's a numerical system based on, there's no devouring of energy. One times two equals two. So one, this sphere of energy combines and there's an exponentiation of energy, multiplication versus addition. It's very simple. Hmm. So that's pretty much base 12. And there's indications that ancient peoples followed this model. We're talking pre-Diluvian. Let's go pre-flood. Let's not just talk about what the Egyptians are erroneously saying civilization started 4,000 years ago, which is a crock of shit. Let's just say, you know, 200 to 250,000 years ago, there were human ancient civilizations that were far superior in consciousness and technology than us currently. They wow. use base 12. Wow. Shit, dude. <laughs> All right. And then where do the various frequencies play in that the body is being saturated with? Are these the same or similar frequencies to Royal Rife? Yeah. For people that are familiar with the, you know, like a Rife machine, you sure. hold the noble gas tubes in your hand yeah. and choose the frequencies you want on a laptop and so, you know, shatter the cell wall of a parasite or whatever is going on there. Right. So... We do have Rife frequencies in the software as well as Holda Clark. Okay, we do have those frequencies. But the difference between the Rasha and say a original Rife device is the pathway, is how it's transmitted. Where an original Rife beam unit had the, it also had a plasma tube, but it was using radio waves. It was using Hertzian waves, waves that, you know, travel you know, transversely. So the longer it goes, the less powerful it is, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, Robert was talking about that with us, right, the other day. Yeah. So that's the difference. The Rasha doesn't use a transverse wave. It uses actually a longitudinal or a scalar wave, if you will, okay? Mm -hmm. So the Rasha doesn't create, here's another erroneous thing. You don't create scalar energy. You actually access it. Because the space between you and I is filled with those non-polar spherical particles that we call the source particle that are, that's really scale our energy, right? Is that, is that particle, give me like a scale in terms of, you know, right. an atom. 800 million source particles, which MIT erroneously calls it the God particle. No, it's 
the source particle, and it's 800 million of a source particle, which is the smallest unit of consciousness or energy, can fit in a proton, one proton. Wow. Yeah. And are these particles existing in a quantum potential field, or are they existing? You got it. Okay. It is, it is the... See that this is what get this is what gets the skeptics. You know, I have uh, like these EMF harmonizing devices yep. that emit scalar waves, and I I know they work because I know my body. I know when I'm sick from EMFs, and I put the thing in, and then I'm not sure. But there's the the people that, and I'm not being critical or like uh, I don't want to sound like a superiority complex, but there's people that are very hypnotized and brainwashed into scientism, the religion of scientism, and that if you can't see, smell, touch, hear, taste it, it's not real. It doesn't exist. Understood. And to me, I think because I've just, you know, maybe it's because I dropped out of school and I never, I never learned enough of that framework to get locked into it. To me, it's like, well, how do you, how do you summon a friend's phone call when you're thinking about them? Like what? Where? Show me the, show me the evidence there. You know, show me the data. Right. And that's not to say that I don't support science and I love to see data. I mean, if I take a supplement or something like, I want to see some studies. I want to see what's in it. What does it do? Who's taking it? Give me some double blind shit. Cool. I'm all for it. But I know that on an energetic level that the way I experience life is in a way that is not quantifiable according to Newtonian physics. Right. And there's, the, there's where the problem lies. It is not the physicists and scientists and mathematicians' fault because they were taught a foundation that is erroneous, including the current Western medical model, okay? Which both of my parents are medical doctors and they were practicing, but not anymore, okay? So... Current physics, science, mathematics, they're lacking the multidimensional aspect, okay? So it's not that they were wrong or they were, you know, they were just taught information that was lacking. So you saw that movie. Would you remember that movie, Contact with Jodie Foster? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember in that movie when they were, the, the physicists, the scientists and the mathematicians were trying to figure out the formula, but the moment they made it multidimensional, the, the formula, meaning they actually started to realize and apply that, oh, we don't just live in three-dimensional reality. It's a multiverse. Once you add that aspect, then, then you're starting to work with correct perpetual life mathematics and technologies. So asking a physicist or a mathematician, a doctor, if you will, that's taught the normal you know, university level education, asking someone like, say, them to understand what we're talking about because it's all about science, you know, replicating science. Science and spirituality should never have been, should have always been an integration of both, right? But it was split. So asking them to understand what we're talking about is like asking a auto mechanic that you pull out of Joe's garage and you bring them over to NASA and say, hey, can you fix this space shuttle? The guy's going to be like, hell no. He has the foundation to fix a car. But a space shuttle or a space station, you're talking advanced knowledge. So that's what they lack. Got it. Got it. Okay. And uh, no offense to my genetics and genomics professors at Stanford, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I... 
I try to approach these things in a non-judgmental way, and I'm sure. sure your average physicist could run circles around me intellectually. You know, I'm just coming at life from a point of view that I want to know the whole story. You know, I think that's so many people that listen to yeah. this show are like, "Cool, there's pieces, and it's not about right or wrong, uh, you know, or a value system of better, worse, smarter, dumber. It's just what's the whole story." I think as a seeker of truth, I just have a thirst. To understand the nature of reality. That's why you and I resonate, right? Yeah. Because that's really, I mean, I, I mean, there are people, as you know, Luke, that don't want to know everything. They'd rather be like an ostrich, stick their head in the sand and just wish and hope for the best, which is fine. My brothers are that way. They don't, they couldn't give a shit about consciousness. They, yeah. you know, they're just like, oh, you know, I'll just leave it up to the, you know, you know, whatever. And that's fine too. I am like you. I want to know everything. I would li- rather know full disclosure than not know anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of my prayer sometimes is like, I go, God, I want to, I want to know the nature of reality and consciousness. And I, I give you permission to blow my mind. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I do like, that too. No matter what comes at me, I'm willing to handle it. You know, if I wake up in the morning and there's a, a gray alien at the foot of my bed, you know, giving me orders. All right. I asked for it. You know, I'm going like, show me everything there is to see. Uh, so what about the, um, the other aspect of the Rasha that is the proprietary blend of noble gases? Yep. Can you explain photons, noble gases, how those have an effect on biology? So for the past hundred years, I'd say over 50 years, there are papers that you can go to PubMed or other, uh, online, um, research, uh, websites that you can find the biological effects to a human organism of inert noble gases and all beneficial, by the way. Okay. None of them are negative or, you know, dangerous. Okay. So on the right side of the periodic table, you have the inert noble gases, right? Which everyone, uh, meaning, uh, certain technologies today use in their their devices, right? They use the argon, neon, helium, xenon, et cetera, et cetera. So the proprietary aspect of the gases in uh, our plasma tube, if you will, you can figure it out with, a, with, you know, scientists have this device where you shine through it. You can figure out what's in there, right? Which is not proprietary. What's proprietary is the PSI, the, the pounds per square inch, and the percent of the noble gases. And I don't use all the noble gases. I've added and removed certain noble gases. Based on what? Based on um, what really are the pure, I call it the noble. There there are actually, it's called the nobility gases. Okay. And these are a certain uh, set of gases that are geared to consciousness and a, and a unique blend of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what, I, and this is through my research and my downloads that I, I, I put this together. And so when you're in a certain proximity mm-hmm. to the, is it called a photonic field? Is that a way that you could say it? Or? No, it's, I, I would call it a magnetic scalar Field. Okay. Okay. And then the the um, I guess the 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 data uh, carried by the noble gases or innate to these noble gases mm-hmm. is transmitted okay. to and through the body. Yeah. 
so, via the vehicle of scalar and magnetic. Correct. So okay. there are three pathways that we transmit the information to the human body. First and foremost, it is the Rasha. So the Rasha consists of two uh, scalar coils, if you will. Okay. The frequencies come through our software and literally travel the patterns of the scalar coil. Oh, wow. And remember, the angles and the ratios of our coils are eternal life base, 1.414 or square root of (laughs) two. Okay, so rather than having like, okay, I have an amplifier here and a speaker over there and I just have a a cord strewn about or like our microphone cables and the signals being carried on that just in a random way, Mm. the signal from the frequencies from the software is going ding, bong, ding, 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 through that. The, the, the actual configuration of the, the coils. Configura- oh, okay. That's interesting. And then that process excites, literally excites the gases in the tube. Oh, wow. Creating, creating a scalar magnetic field. Oh, wow. Okay. Dope. Or a- rather, that's incorrect. Accesses. The scalar right. magnetic which field. Which is here abundantly which is here. anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's a matter of accessing. Would, could you say that you're concentrating that potential energy into the body? Like if the scalar is here, then why do I need a device? I just sit here and I'm just bathed in scalar. Well, fantastic point. Fantastic point. Because do you really think that I wanted to create this technology and having, you know, no, because I know the, we are the technology. So when we go into meditation, the goal is to actually calm our mind for our left and right hemispheres of our brain to hemi-sync. Once that process and that brain entrainment takes place, our brain, Luke, becomes the most powerful scalar energy accessor, if you will. Okay? So um, the Rasha just helps us uh, attain that much quicker. So when you're thinking about someone in a different geographic location and you're, say, just let's say, intentionally praying for them, right? And mm-hmm. then they think of you and they call you, is the human brain acting as a transmitter and receiver like two radios or two Bingo. cell phones in Bingo. a different geographic location? Yes. And that data or that intention field is being carried via scalar waves scalar outside range, of the paradigm of time space. Yes. Because it's, it's in the quantum. Yeah. And okay. everyone wants to know, Luke, oh, really? Scalar energy? Give me proof. You know what an example is? Our thoughts. Our thoughts are literal examples of scalar energy. I mean, and here's the proof. Thoughts create scale. The substance that God created, everyone says, oh yeah, God created the universe. Yeah, yeah, okay, true. But no one wants to know or even delve in how. What was the primal, primordial substance that God used to create the universe? Luke, it was scalar energy. That is the primal substance of the cosmos that God utilized to create manifest creation, if you will. So our thoughts mimic that so this being here with you was but a thought months ago right oh we're gonna go down to quick smala and you're gonna do x y and z here's today we're in physical form our thoughts created this thoughts create our reality through scalar energy 
So in the hierarchy of manifestation mm-hmm. from the level of consciousness yes. down to the macro heavy weight material of, physical of material atomic. physical plane. Yes. What is pre-thought scalar then thought? Then where does emotion beautiful in? I mean, that is probably the billion dollar question that your viewers and listeners should pay attention to this answer. So Let's just say, and everyone can do this at home, and I invite you to do this. It's called the organic materialization, manifestation and materialization process. So we're literally going to mimic how source or God created the universe. So if you close your eyes and just imagine whatever it is that you want to materialize. It could be anything. It could be a car. It could be a dog, a cat you know, a more money, better relationship. So at the thymus area, at the base of the thymus, which is at the tip, uh, upper part of your breastbone, I want you to put the actual feeling of that which you want to not just manifest, but materialize. So put the feeling of whatever it is that you want to create right at the base of your thymus. So you're going to take a deep inhale and on the exhale, send that feeling to your coccyx, to your tailbone. At the coccyx, that is where the first eight cells of your conception reside. Turn that feeling of that which you want to materialize into the emotion or the energy in motion of that which you want to materialize. Once you have the emotion of that which you want to materialize, turn that emotion by inhaling deeply. And on the exhale, send that emotion to the left side of your body, to the area of your spleen, which is just underneath your left rib cage. At the area of your spleen, turn that emotion of that which you want to materialize into the thought of that which you want to create. So have that thought in the spleen area. Take a deep inhale. And on the exhale, send that thought to the back of your head, to the fontanelle area just behind the the crown chakra. Exhale. And in that fontanelle area of your rear, rear of your head, turn that thought into the idea crystallization of that which you want to manifest and materialize. Allow the universe, just leave it to the universe to see what happens. You can open your eyes. That is the answer to your question. Where does thought come in? Where does emotion? That is the organic materialization process. Now, unfortunately, we weren't taught this. The secret government doesn't want you to know this because imagine people being able to materialize things at will. So I invite you and all your listeners to to engage in this process and see what happens. This explains the phenomenon of cities in India, right? Where you have these realized beings throughout at least recorded history. I'm sure it hasn't been the only continent. It just happens to be maybe the most recent one Mm -hmm. or the most abundant or prevalent. But I've always been fascinated with 
the reality that there are human beings that can levitate, materialize, dematerialize, Bingo. bilocate, uh, manifest trinkets, vibhuti, which I've always been very enamored by. And as I've you know gone to India and done more research, it's like to people there, that shit is just normal. It's not even, right. it's not even a big deal, right? Especially to those doing it. Uh, right. There's a there's a gentleman named Shri M, a realized being that's alive now in India, very low key. I mean, very not even well known, but he's a I guess a Vedic scholar would be mm. the best way to describe him. And I saw a video of him doing an interview and they were like, what about the cities and manifesting? And he was like, basically, he, I mean, he wasn't annoyed, but he's just like, yeah, like here's some of a booty poof and just make some of a booty ash just part of his hand. And he's like, yeah, but that's not the point. The reason that realized beings do those type of kind of spiritual parlor tricks for lack of a, I mean, I want to diminish them, but to them, it's really just to get people's attention. Sure. And gain devotees uh, and pique their curiosity that there's more to our earthly existence than meets the eye, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and then there are, of course, a bunch of fake gurus that I'm sure throughout history of, you know, sleight of hand and doing real parlor tricks yep. that don't have that ability. But it's so interesting that those that have cultivated that knowledge and um, ability don't really think much of it because it's not really the point, right? Yep. It's more of a demonstration of that phenomenon. Yep. It's not about the phenomenon or the the act itself. It's about the purview of reality that allows one's mind and awareness to accept that that is in fact a reality. Correct. And I, I guess it's been a growth process for me mm. to let go of the attachment to like that person mm. as a single point of consciousness in that body for that time as mm. like following them and their teachings and being so enthralled with their ability to do that when they're the ones saying like, dude, you can do this. You just exactly. don't know you can. Right. But and that's, that's why you can't. But man, <laughs> they hit it right on the head because we do. Every single person on this planet has the capability and the potentiality to actually do those feats. It's just a mat. We weren't taught that. We were, we were taught uh, you got to go to school. You either be, got to become some type of it, person in the workforce, you know, money. It's all about, you know, the acquisition of money, et cetera, et cetera. We weren't taught that we were, we had that capability. That's the issue. We we're not taught to prepare for death. We're, we're not taught to prepare for the greatest journey that one is going to embark on. That's like saying, Hey Luke, you know what? You're coming here. You know, you plan, you and Allison plan to come here to Quixmala, but you don't book your flight. You don't even even know how to get here, let alone you don't even have an itinerary. That is the ludicrousness of not planning for your your transition, your consciousness transition, the greatest journey that you're going to have. It's just ridiculous. (laughs) So (laughs) I love it, like like all uh, great things in life. So next thing I want to move into is something you refer to a lot and we might have just described the phenomenon itself, but you talk about morphogenic fields yep. in relation to the Rasha. Is that what we just described or is that another aspect of no. this or piece of this puzzle? So morphogenetic fields, by the way, are erroneously described by many scientists out there that think they understand the morphogenetic field, but they didn't experience the morphogenetic field. Okay, how could you teach something if you didn't make one experience it or two, you don't have it in your DNA, that level of data storage. That's why I say a lot of people out there are parrots and they just parrot information that they've been taught or they've researched. Now, 
morphogenetic fields, what are they? They are the blueprints of, let's just say, everything, every cell, every atom, every organ, every organ system, every star, every planet, every galaxy has this thing called the morphogenetic energy field, which holds the blueprint of that physical matter. Okay? So it's the instructions. That is scalar energy. So morphogenetic fields equals scalar fields. So yes, you're completely Got correct. It. Just different terminology. Or, or uh, in, an, in, a, in a pre-existing pattern of potentiality, whereas the scalar field in general is just sort of a blank palette of potentiality, whereas the, it is information. whereas the morphogenic field is a more focused pattern of, of information. potentiality. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then <laughs> I want to get a little bit into the, you know, this device and experience because only having had, you know, a day and a half, uh, with this thing here and, um, you know, knowing that your mission is not to be like a salesman because, you know, oftentimes you interview someone and they're like, all they want to talk about is their supplement or something. You know? I know mm. it's not really your steez, but I'm personally so like curious and obsessed with this thing. Um, and it's, it's not cheap uh, from what I understand. And so it's not something that, you know, your average consumer is going to be able to throw in their garage or spare bedroom. Um, who have been the, the, the folks most responsive? Uh, like who are the customers that purchase these? Are they practitioners? you know, alternative okay. healers, et cetera, kind of like since you've perfected at least this version of the mm-hmm. Russia, how has it infiltrated the world and okay. whose hands is it in and what, what kind of results or experiences are, are people having with the hundred some odd units you have out in the Sure. In the so first of all, you can't buy the technology on the website. So you just cannot buy it. You cannot go onto the website and purchase it. That's first and foremost. Second, uh, you'll have to, it's usually like, three degrees of separation in order to get it. So if you don't know me, I'm just not going to sell it to you. Why? It is not a toaster or a biofeedback device or a just a, a machine. It is a live conscious technology. Okay? So it picks its owners, Luke. As oh, crazy wow. as wow. it may sound. Wow. It picks its owners. So who are the owners? Private individuals, people that um, own wellness clinics outside the U.S., okay? Uh, Germany, Japan, Malaysia, Philippines, Spain, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now Mexico, okay? Yeah, here at Creek Smala. Yes, they, they're, they're the first. <laughs> now I really want to come back here all the time. <laughs> yeah, to have- I, I was already sprung on this place. Now I'm like, oh, you have this thing? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and uh, not that many people have it. I'm only going to make a certain amount in this, uh, I'd say the next 20 years or 30 years. And that's it. Do you get the sense that there are only a certain number of them needed on earth in order for them to fulfill or to fulfill its potential? Correct. So it's like um, a law of diminishing returns at a certain point where they're in everyone's home. Like that's not necessary in order to raise the vibration to the place where Maybe even it makes itself obsolete someday. Yeah. So it's really through our evolution. We're going to raise the oscillation, oscillation. of the planet because that's how a lot of people get that wrong too. And it's just how we were taught. It's not, you know, hey man, you have good vibes or high vibes. Really, oscillation is energy expansion, electrical. Magnetism or sound is energy holding. So denser. So 
things that are higher in vibratory status are denser in physical, in physical, okay? If you want to traverse the higher dimensional realms, they are more oscillating. So we are raising the oscillation rate of the planet by having these devices or conscious beings in certain locales on the planet. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. I have to sit with that for a second. Pardon the pregnant pause here, guys. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I recently discovered uh, this program. One, one of my favorite spiritual teachers of all time was a guy named David R. Hawkins. He wrote a book called Power, Power versus, versus Force, Force right? Yeah. And so he, I mean, I would say he created the scale of consciousness, but he had a, he had a model by which to measure consciousness on the earth plane from one to a thousand for those mm-hmm. listening that aren't familiar. And then beyond a thousand would be in the non-physical realm. Sure. Uh, add, add infinitum, right? To the Godhead. And so uh, been a fan of that work. He used kinesiology or muscle testing to determine sure. the various, um, I guess where his work really differentiated itself was in that he used kinesiology non-locally. So you could take a concept, a thought, a belief, a continent, a political belief, book, movie, whatever, and rate it on that scale of consciousness versus a chiropractor who does kinesiology and is like, hey, you need more vitamin C, test strong, test Correct. weak. So I thought that was really fascinating. I went and saw him speak a couple of times in Sedona. I was just reminded of that by my friend. Uh, we went and saw his last uh, talk before he transitioned. Um, but anyway, recently, because I'm you know really big on EMF, I just put out this EMF course to teach people different shielding mm-hmm. you know devices and tactics and just how to strategize your life in your home sure. because I'm super sensitive to it. And I think it's, I think it's the biggest threat to all life on earth, honestly. Uh, you know, glyphosate and whatnot, maybe a close second because sure. of the soil. But anyway, so I'm always looking for new EMF gadgets, you know, scalar gadgets. The, I have a thing called the Soma Vedic that uses precious and semi-precious stones to emanate a field in the home. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty out there with any kind of EMF mitigation. I found this thing called FLFE, mm-hmm. uh, Focus Life Force Energy. And they adopted the Hawkins model. Yes. And they have some kind of device. I know it. Okay, you familiar with it? Okay. I mean, I know of it. Okay. And I've um, not experienced. You know, it. they don't they they don't like, you know, they asked, is this does this serve the highest good to describe exactly what this is? But it involves some sort of technology that's proprietary in the Tesla realm. Yep. And they're able to input coordinates. Mm-hmm into that, whether it be your cell phone, your home, even your business with your, you know, your legal business name, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, and raise the level of consciousness of that property due to geopathic stress or EMF or, you know, any, any kind of trauma that's happened there, uh, you know, burial ground, anything you can think of, right? And they are able to raise it ethically to 570, which is uh, the field of love. And they get a lot of results with EMF. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, you know, because I think the way I think, I'm like Hawkins EMF protection. I'm in, and it's a, it's you know it's like at a free trial. Uh, it's 15 days. Most people keep the trial, and then it's like I think it's like 30 dollars a month. You pay it yearly. But this is one of those things that's like, I think what makes me think of it is as you're referring to the technology as having its own intelligence or its own agenda yes. and consciousness working through the technology and sort of choosing where it goes. Yes. And it reminds me of what they're doing mm-hmm. in that. They have something that is material and local mm-hmm. that's affecting change non-materially, non-locally in terms of raising the vibration. And it takes a certain type of awareness to kind of buy into something like that. Sure. 
if you're, unless you're me and then it's easy because you know, I have pretty good discernment about like, you know, my bullshit meter is, is pretty good yeah. after two decades of being into this kind of stuff. Cause I have been duped a few times and learned mm. my lesson. Like, ah, next time I'm going to vet something better before I recommend it or right. promote it or even use it. So if your intention is not to sell a million of these things and litter the planet with them, how do you kind of tap into where each device is supposed to end up? Like what's your vetting process? Do you meditate on it? Do you go on the Rasha yourself and get downloads? Like how do you determine where to focus that energy? It's all about the intention of whoever it is that contacts me. What's their intention? I first question I ask is what do you plan on doing with the device? What do you plan on doing? What is your, are you service to humanity? Are you service to self? That's the first question I ask. Mm. And what is your intention? You know, um, and usually that process will will steer me to say because they they are literally, um, let's just say, energetic children, if you will, because they're hand built and they're like part of my family. So, you know, it's to say you had children, you want to make sure your children you know, make the right choice, you know, you know, where do you want to end up? You know, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? It is that type of relationship, as crazy as it may sound, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, that's really the process. If there is one, it's all about the person's intention. So for example, if someone says, I plan on utilizing the, the Russia to open up a slew of wellness clinics and, you know, we want to do X, Y, and Z, but are they actually going to be helping, you know, let's just say, setting up a foundation and helping the poor? What are they doing? Like, what, what, what is their clinics doing? You could have the richest people on the planet, but if they're not servicing humanity, they're not taking time out of their busy schedule, whether it's a few days or a week to, to actually go on, you know, we, we, we call medical missions or ent- uh, alternative medical missions or, or uh, humanitarian missions. Russia won't end up there. Mm, interesting. And, and let's just say it's everything is also intention and also in the language. If you come across technologies that are talking about raising the vibration, right there, that's a red flag. I don't care how much they think they understand Hawkins' uh, 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 work. That's not by coincidence they're talking about higher vibration when we're talking about higher oscillation and that's always been the case. What about what would the terminology energy, energy field or frequency, mm-hmm. would that be in alignment with? Yeah. I mean, with that's, oscillation, of course, because our goal is to raise the oscillation of frequency. Got it. Yeah. Okay. If consciousness expansion is, is your thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, here's the thing. I think, uh, we, when I find out about different technologies, I'm always, you know, thinking, all right, what's wrong with me physically? I'm like, oh, I got this back pain. My eyes are kind of weird. I have this tinnitus, you know, sure. I have, I have, at any given time, three things that are pesky and I just haven't been able to completely crack the code on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately when you, when you dig deeper into that, I think one can find, you know, your goal is not to get rid of your back pain. Your goal is to feel good in your body and express your life to its highest potential, right? And so not having back pain is just a side effect of a higher consciousness. There you go. Right? You got it. 
So I think we get caught up on the myopic yeah. view oh, of like, I want to fix this and right. that. Whereas if you, I mean, you know, I know this from going to Joe Dispenza retreats, man. It's like, you don't go there to fix your back or MS or whatever's going on. You go there to meditate for freaking five hours and then poof, spontaneously people are Healing. like, wow, no right. more wheelchair. Yeah. You know, it's because the oscillation, I guess you, you would say. Has Joe been, gets it. He, right. he absolutely, he's one of the few people out there that actually literally understand, you know, consciousness and healing as a byproduct. Right. Spontaneous healing, absolutely doable, achievable. Yeah. When you increase your awareness and your consciousness. Right. I guess that's, um, that believing is seen, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you do, I love Wayne Dyer's like simple way of putting it. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, right? So yeah. rather than like focusing on this pain in my back or sensitivity to EMF or whatever it happens to be that's plaguing me, it's, it's like just keep the eye on the prize, which is raising of one's consciousness. You got it, man. Right? You got it. And then eventually those things start to fall away. Yeah. Can you imagine raising your consciousness just like the those masters, right? And then being able to materialize things at will, m- healing is a byproduct. Right. That's nothing. That's the funny thing going back to those, you know, the mystics and avatars of, of India and specifically, it's like, these guys are just eating rice and dal every day. If that, maybe they don't even eat. Many of them are reported to rarely, if ever, sleep. Mm. And I'm thinking, they're not doing the biohacks. You know, they're not on a paleo, high fat diet. They're not vegan. Like, they don't give a shit about any of that. No. The micro decisions that I think myself and so many of us get caught yeah. up in, they're just like ascension, number one goal. Right. Go up. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And keep going until you, you're not in a body anymore. Well, that's the whole, that, and you, I mean, right there, another gem of wisdom that you just shared with your, your viewers. When you make your ultimate, let's say, intention or desire, well, let's use intention, at one minute with source or God, everything else falls into line. When that is your ultimate intention, that oneness or at one minute with source, all your other relationships pale in comparison and will literally evolve as they should. Yeah, that's the, you know, that's the funny thing about uh, my recovery journey through mm-hmm. addiction is <laughs> A, the rude awakening that <laughs> when I popped out of rehab at 26 years old, thinking that I'm sober, like all my problems are going to be over because it seemed on the surface level that all of my problems and relationships and mental health issues and, you know, all the things, legal problems to mm-hmm. say the least, uh, being unemployable, that now that I'm physically free of those substances, that I'm going to be happy and be a great guy. Mm. And I had a very rude awakening to find that it wasn't about the physical sobriety. And that's not even the purpose of the model of the 12 steps. And I, when you were talking about the number 12, I was like, oh, that's interesting. The 12 steps have been, in, in our lifetime, the most effective and wholesale way that people have been freed from addictions, right? Mm. And I'm sure it happens in ways like you have, but they're exceedingly rare compared to the masses who go to some meetings and get their shit together. But the thing there is, I've realized over the years is, you know, this is speaking just specifically with recovery, but it ties into that, that, um, you know, area that we were just covering is, it's not about even getting sober, being free of the addiction, because when you do that, like like they say, you take a you know a drunk horse thief and you get him sober. What do you have? A sober horse thief, right? Like you're still at the same consciousness, right? So it's like you get sober, 
And you think you're going to go to these meetings and go to rehab to get physically sober. And then what happens is you actually go there to learn how to have a relationship with God. Mm. And it's the relationship with God that removes the need for the anesthesia. Because what you were craving for and longing for was that connection with oneness, your higher self, love, all of those things that make life not only tolerable and livable, but, but worthwhile yeah. and give it purpose value. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, I always just find that so funny that, you know, including myself, so many people get caught up on all these gimmicks and gadgets when the end goal is really oneness. And so what if we just skip all the steps along the way in a sense of just like, as you said, just aim for the highest right. intention and watch those other pathologies or habits or dysfunctional ways of thinking, feeling, being evaporate because you no longer oscillate at the level of that habit, whatever it is. Yeah. So on that note, uh, and I know it's, you know, it's sensitive with people that make technologies and different things like that, that have positive effects on people's health sure. because of the legalities involved. And, you know, I know there's certain touch words that we all must avoid in order to not make medical claims and things like that. But I was looking on your Instagram, just doing some research and it's, you know, it's like Rasha doesn't say cures or treats, of course, but mm-hmm. it says, you know, helping people heal from, you know, autism, Lyme disease, these pretty mm-hmm. seemingly unsurmountable mm-hmm. physical challenges that are people are having. So in your paradigm of work with the Rasha mm-hmm. and helping to raise one's frequency mm-hmm. or consciousness, what sort of things have you seen people be able to accomplish within their own capacity for healing? Right. So, and the Rasha, all it does is it communicates to the DNA and it helps the person reclaim their natural ability to heal themselves. That's all it does, okay? And it does it through relaxing the body, right? Stress relief, relaxation. So if you subscribe to the fact that stress equals inflammation, inflammation equals disease and other pathologies, and you're reducing stress, you can make your own conclusions. Now, things as autism, Alzheimer's, type 2 or 1 diabetes, there are all certain conditions, right? So all we're doing is we're relaxing those people. And for some reason, consciousness becomes the foundation of healing. When you allow consciousness to do its thing, amazing amazing things happen in the body. So all those labels of pathologies, those are just conditions, right? Of consciousness. Right. And that explains, I guess, you know, going back to the Joe Dispenza thing or different, you know, profound plant medicine experiences people have had where they're having something that's manifesting physically. They bypass that whole, you know, healing paradigm or cure treatment paradigm and just go to consciousness and go to source, pop out of that experience and the physical thing's gone. It was a really, truly a symptom of unhealed emotional trauma, Mm. uh, this kind of stuff. So that being said, um, some of the things that you, you know, that you talk about in your Instagram, for example, Mm. um, you know, and I know it's it's, I'm always like dancing around this to find a way to say it. And you're probably well-versed at doing this without, you know, making false claims and whatnot. But, um, I met someone at uh, Robert Slovak's party in San Diego where we were both present and, you know, whatever, missed each other. And then it was last call. We're both gone. Uh, but I met a woman there 
And I said, oh man, I can't wait to try the Rasha and, and, and meet Jerry. We're going to be going to Mexico, et cetera. And she was like, oh man, she goes, I've seen kids with like, that are non-communicative level autism, just, you know, going, bouncing off the walls, just completely not there, uh, have one session and then become verbal or walk around and be calm, like just straight up miracle moments for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of things have you seen subjectively that have really gotten your attention? Are there any key moments where you were like, holy shit, nature consciousness is so powerful because it just allowed this person to do this for themselves? Um, each each one of those cases are, are astounding to me and amazing, right? So it doesn't matter if it's autism or Alzheimer's or you know cardiovascular. I've seen consciousness shift and when you shift the consciousness or let's just say we allow the children to regain access to their higher dimensional conscious identity when that comes online consciousness is an amazing thing as you know and let's just say spontaneous conditions will will emerge and will reprogram those prior conditions Wow. Epic, dude. So so for people now listening, which is the case, I'm sure, um, so much of the time as I meet fascinating people like you that are creating amazing technologies, modalities, et cetera, the first question is, okay, I want to try this. I'm in. I want to experience this. How would one find a practitioner or clinic or something like that since this isn't really, you know, like a B2C commercial device that anyone can just roll out and buy and like, I said, throw it in their spare room or something. Like if somebody really wants to experience this, would they go to your site? And- yeah, go to the website. They can just email us and we'll, and depending on their lo- location or where they live geographically, we'll steer them to that direction. And how many approximately are in the United States, for example? Not many. <laughs> Not many? <laughs> yeah. More overseas? Yeah, uh, most of it. The bulk is, I'd say 90% is, is Well, that's overseas. kind of cool because a lot of times our, our European and multinational friends write in the show like, oh, I can't find the thing you talk about the show because I'm not in the United States. So this would be the inverse this, of this that. This would be inverse of that, right? Right, okay. Yeah. Um, are there any states that come to mind where states or cities in the U.S., since most of our listeners are here, where one could find uh, access to one of these in a public There way. is a doctor in uh, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, uh, Dr. Mignon Mary. Uh, there is a wellness uh, resort in Miami called, uh, in I think it's called the Carillon. They're on our website. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, just go to our so website. So they can go there and search yeah. and see. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Awesome, man. Well, I hope to God someone has one near Los Angeles, at least while I'm there. Yeah, I'm going to pack in as many as I can here. Oh, the last thing I thought was interesting that you said, and then we can wrap it up was, uh, I think when I was about to take my first journey, uh, which really was a journey. Now that I think about it, um, you said, yeah, Luke, this isn't the kind of thing like you need to have in your house and do all the time. You're like, you might do three or four sessions and then like you're good for your life or it might be something you return to on an annual basis Correct. do a couple sessions it's it's not like something that you become dependent on and i'm getting that that's because as you're saying all this is doing is really just giving you an access point to these energies that are already present that right. we just kind of you know through conscious or unconscious amnesia forgotten how to harness right so I, it was the, the technology was designed not to, to, to have a addiction to it or to be a dependent upon it. Everyone's living a different life, different emotions, different relationships. Everyone is on their different path. So 
the rasha is only going to enhance that person or that consciousness to a level where it's no longer needed. And the reason why the you know people say, well, well why did you create it then? Yeah, to re- to re- actually you know redo the the effects of what happened when I had that transfer of consciousness experience. Um, it's not by coincidence we're bombarded by EMF five G and other epigenetic factors that that influence and block our consciousness. The the Rasha is here to assist. That is it. Once you've gotten what you need uh, as as an upgrade, if you will, I call it like a software upgrade. You're done. You're good. Wow. Good shit, man. Yeah. Well, my last question for you, my friend, and I'm sure over the next few days here at Creek Smala, I'll be asking you about the ones that <laughs> like, ah, oh, I should have recorded this. But uh, this one I ask every guest that comes on the show. Mm-hmm. You've taught me so much today. Our listeners, I'm sure, are blown away and have learned so much and really expanded their awareness mm-hmm. about these topics. Uh, who have been three teachers or teacher teachers or teachings that you might recommend they go study? Woo. Uh, well, Nikola Tesla, if you haven't looked at his work, that's one of them. Um, definitely, uh, I would say uh, Antoine Priori, another one, because these are all in the realms of energy and energy healing. And I would say the third one would probably be yourself. Damn. Write your own book, write your own essay, write your own poetry, write your own experience, and then read it because you are the best teacher. Damn, bro, that's good. Out of about 310 interviews on this show, no one's ever said that. (laughs) I'm like, I'm thinking, why not? That's so obvious. Yes, yes, I love that. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Well, thank you for spending time with us today. Uh, Give us your website, social media, any of that. We'll put it in the show notes so people can look you up. So now or later? Right now. Oh, oh, just the, yeah. T-H-E, Rasha, R-A-S-H-A.com. Cool. The Rasha.com. Yeah. And then you'll get all, all our sweet information. Thanks, dude. Well, thanks again for being here. It's so fortunate. Thanks for having me. And um, really, thank you for being brave enough to have me on because really no one does, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, let's thank uh, the Quick Smaller Resort for actually hosting yeah, this. Man. And I'm excited for them to have the Rasha. So, uh, yeah. This is the perfect place. The energy here is so high. Well, I want to say high vibe. The energy here is oscillating at a really high frequency. You got it. It really is. The moment I pulled on this property last year, I was just like, oh yeah, this is is the, the seat of the soul here. I was just, even last night, just watching how, you know, when you're near the equator, just Mm. the energy or nearer than I'm used to living. It's just the amount of life force. It's just, there's, Every square foot, there's 20 bugs, and then the yeah. gecko is eating those bugs. Right. And, and the, the plants are like beautifully yeah, I mean, ginormous. It's just, yeah, it's just like, oh my God, the life force is just like, it's just teeming with life. Everywhere you look, something's alive and being birthed and then changing on and being devoured and recycled. And it's just, it's incredible, incredible place to be. Oh, I, I wanted yeah. to just thank yeah. Gofredo and Alix. And Michaela for putting this all together. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, otherwise, we wouldn't we wouldn't even be here, right? Yeah, so, no. I don't. Thank I don't, you. I don't have this kind of budget. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, no. It's been you know it's been really cool to right? come here twice. And uh, last time I did one interview with the leaks, uh, the the owner, and then uh, this time you know of course you and Robert Slovak and um, and Doctor Butar. Butar. Yeah. yeah, and um, so these are like three people I interviewed Butar already, but I've been wanting to interview you and Robert Slovak. So. 
when I got the invite to come do this initially as the retreat and now, you know, going to be the retreat in January, I was like, what, how is this even possible yeah. to get to do these in person in such a beautiful environment? It's just like, wow. I was actually just, I woke up this morning, just so grateful. I was saying my prayers with my lady and just going, God, like, how did I get from where I came from? You know, I'm just in such a sad, desperate place in, you know, the first half of my life to be where I am now. Some of it's hard work. Most of it's grace yeah. and just, just being receptive to the call, yep. you know, keeping an open heart and an open mind. And uh, it's just, God never ceases to amaze me, honestly. Just the, as you said, the more I move toward that and move into service, it's just, everything's taken care of. And we'll be back down here at the end of January yeah, for January the quick 20, smaller retreat. 2021. So hopefully everyone can come join yeah, us. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's cool for us to be here, but yeah. when there's a crowd of like-minded people yeah, that really so. want to get immersed in this experience, it's going to be insane. Yeah. That will be insane. Yeah. I would love to like work on the Rasha team just to watch people's faces when they pop out of their first journey. It, that's what was really fun for me is watching Allison. And even while she was on it, she was talking and laughing and she was having her just whole trip. <laughs> right. And she came out and she was like, so I just met an alien and da, 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 you know, just like it was nothing. It's like, wow, this must be a really fun team to work on where you just watch people just bust open. Your, like your, your open invitation. Anytime you want to oh, come up and thanks, you want to, you know, you know, you can just be that fly in the wall with a camera and be right? like, you know, and it's all in flow. And, yeah. You know, very yeah. cool, man. Okay. All right, dude. Well, all thanks right. for joining uh, me, everyone listening. Thank you for joining us. And with that, I bid you farewell. Once again, I'm absolutely floored by the conversation I was fortunate enough to have with my guest on today's episode. Man, Jerry is not only a brilliant guy, a creative guy, but he's also just a really cool dude to hang out with. We've been spending some time and uh, I find it exceedingly rare to meet brilliant people that uh, are also humble and down to earth and relatable and have emotional intelligence and can just chill and hang. And uh, after I got to know Jerry a bit on this trip to Quixmala, and spend some time with him here in LA recently, man. I just know we're going to be friends for life. And I'm so happy to amplify his message and his work. He's so passionate and knowledgeable about consciousness and these esoteric sciences. And that's what I'm all about, you know, is raising the oscillation as we talked about during the interview. So I'm hoping that this interview did that for you, my friends. And if it did, you might just want to join me next Tuesday for another incredible episode of The Lifestylist. It's called Hormone Therapy, the End of PMS, Cramps, Infertility, and Cycle Chaos with Alyssa Vitti. And that's one for men too. Don't trip, guys. Don't think you can skip that one because you don't have a female body. It's uh, incredibly uh, informative episode next Tuesday and really important for anyone who's in any type of relationship with the female, romantic or otherwise. Absolutely groundbreaking stuff there. So I want to thank you, the listener, for joining me today and for subscribing to the show on your podcast app. It's a really important part of this game here uh, so that you can catch next week's episode with Alyssa Vitti. And uh, let's go ahead and thank our sponsors. First one is Juve. Make sure to get over to juve.com slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com slash Luke. Because I think for the first time ever, they are offering a discount if you use the code Luke. Now, these guys don't really give discounts, man. Uh, so I'd get over there real quick, like, and check it out. Uh, they've got some new devices that have a number of new features that are amazing. 
Uh, I'm really stoked about them. Now I feel like my juve is old because they keep innovating. <laughs> but that's a good thing. You know, you want a company that keeps innovating, but then you want all the new stuff. So I'm going to have to find a way to get some myself. For now, I've got two units in the home, one right here in the studio and one in the Zenden where I keep all my technologies. And uh, I use the juve every day. I used it this morning. No BS, folks. So go to juve.com. That's J-O-O-V-V.com slash Luke. And again, the code is Luke for a limited time discount. Let's thank our friends over at Sir Thrival, another a company whose products I've been using for years. I use them every single day. Uh, I'd recommend something to start with, the elk antler formula. It's, uh, man, it's like natural steroids. It's, it's insane. It's really, really potent stuff. And when you go to SirThrival.com, like survive and thrive, SirThrival.com, and use the code STYLE10, you're going to save 10% off. Start with the elk antler, uh, maybe the pine pollen, some colostrum. I think I have about, I don't know, six of their products. I feed their um, CBD to my dog. They have a doggy version or a pet version of CBD. It's fantastic. Dog is super high. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, 0% THC, unfortunately for my dog. Otherwise, she'd probably be having a, like a dog catnip kind of day and wouldn't be mad at that at all. But, you know, legalities and all. Last one is Bioptimizers, and I'd love for you to check out the Magnesium Breakthrough. Uh, this is, in my opinion, and so far in my experience as a health enthusiast, the best and most insanely bioavailable magnesium on the market. It's got some like, I think there's like six, seven types of magnesium in there. Every magnesium I've ever heard of, they packed in there to just ensure that it gets into your blood and into your cells and helps your body function like it's supposed to. So you can find your magnesium breakthrough at bioptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash Luke. Bioptimizers.com slash Luke. Uh, don't bother playing around with any other magnesium, folks. Uh, the magnesium breakthrough is the top of the food chain, baby. All right. Thanks again for joining me today. Uh, we'll be back at you next Tuesday and then again next Friday for a solo show. And uh, man, I'm just super stoked to be doing this. That's all I got to say. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. My life is amazing as a result of starting this podcast a few years ago. And the last time I checked, we were up to about 5.5 million downloads. And you, my friend, I mean, you specifically, the one hearing my voice right now, have made that possible by not only downloading and listening yourself, but also by sharing with your friends and family. So if you feel called, right when my voice ends, just reach down, click on your app, click share, and just text it to a couple friends. It's a really easy way to support the show. If, if you don't have the coin to support the sponsors or you don't want to buy any of this stuff, cool, no problem. But if you want to ride for free, it'd be really helpful if you share this episode with a couple friends. And with that, I will be back in your ears next week. God bless. God bless.